to be church, to be the body of Christ uh, built together in love. And so we want to look at 1 Corinthians this week and next week too and see the lessons that Paul had for the Corinthian church and for us. And so I want to jump to chapter 13 today. And this kind of goes with Valentine's Day a little bit too. This is the scripture that, you know, if you have a wedding, about half the time the people want this chapter, right, read at their wedding. Um, but this scripture, it wasn't written for marriage principally. It was written for what it means to be church. It was written to the Corinthians at a time when they were very divided. They were trying to figure out who was the greatest apostle. We think it's Paul. No, it's not. It's Peter. No, it's not. It's John. No, it's Barnabas. He's our favorite, right? And in the midst of that, they were also, we talked about last week, when they had communion, they were leaving out some of the poor folks who didn't have any food and not allowing them a place at the table. All this stuff is going on. And so uh, Paul reminds them uh, in the midst of everything that, uh, that love is key. He reminds them in the midst of some saying, well, I can speak in tongues and you can't, nah, nah, nah. or I can prophesy a whole lot better than you, or I have this gift, or I have that gift. All these things are going on. It was kind of a crazy situation. Um, and so here is what Paul says. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have the faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what in part disappears, you see, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, um, speak to us today. Let your Holy Spirit even more um, show each and every person here and watching the way of love and experience a relationship with you that helps us live every day your way of love. 
pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, y'all, I, I think all of us uh, might recognize to some extent, I think for us nationally and as a community, and right now even as a church, I think we just we feel kind of frazzled. I mean, we have gone through a lot these last several years. I mean, we really have gone through a lot. You know, I mean, COVID uh, was enough frazzle about anybody. I mean, our families were cooped up by themselves for several months, maybe almost a year, didn't hardly get out at all, didn't go to restaurants at all. I mean, that would drive about anybody crazy, even though families that kind of love each other a lot. You know how we survived COVID? I'll give you our secret. We played croquet. I'm serious. We played croquet about four times a week or five times a week. That's what we did. The family was there together for the first two or three months. We had nothing else to do. The kids were going crazy. Mallory was ready to head out the door and find some friends to hang out with. And we just said, well, let's play croquet. And so we did that for months. And it was our way of surviving that, that time of trauma and challenge. And we see the, still the effects of this in our lives today because we kind of went from COVID now to just an inflationary environment where there's, where there's kind of more uncertainty and struggle for all of us uh, to pay the bills and to have enough to make it. And, uh, and in the midst of all this, um, we have seen in the news that where crime and violence are going down for like 20 years, you know, that's kind of evened out and maybe coming back up a bit. And, I, you know, we see the number of mass shootings out and about, right? And it's like not a week goes by that there aren't one or two more. There are just a lot of wounded and hurt and angry and hate-filled people out there that they haven't had a way um, to find a healthy way forward. And so in their anger, they've lashed out. And, and so we see that going on. And, and even here at church, um, you know, uh, we've been talking about sort of everything going on. We've been talking some about uh, this, the disaffiliation process. Uh, do we as a church want to stay United Methodist or do we want to become Glow Methodist? You know, and, and I think it's put a lot of kind of angst and uncertainty in our community too. Um, and so what I want to speak into us today is what Paul is trying to say to the church at Corinth. The message we really need to hear is um, it's not about all the stuff. We need to remember what Jesus has called us to be as his body. You know, on the night before he was betrayed, he got together with his disciples, remember? And it says he took a towel and he put it on and he kneeled down with a bowl of water and he washed his disciples' feet each of them. And they thought, Jesus, what the heck are you doing? You're not, you know, you're, too, you're the Messiah. Messiah's not supposed to wash feet. And he said, listen, what I've done for you, I expect you to do for each other. And today I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Because when you love one another, the world will see something unique in you that it doesn't have. And they'll know you're my disciples if you love one another. 
And so we see in the rest of the New Testament, Peter reinforces this message, and John reinforces this message, and Paul reinforces this message. And in Corinthians, we see that in particular with what we call the chapter of love. And again, it's great recipe for marriages, but it was meant for us, the church. And Paul starts out and reminds us as the church, listen, you may think you have the greatest of gifts, but if you don't have love, it's nothing. You may think that you know the Bible better than anybody else. You see all the insights there. Your theology is top-notch, and you're able to speak the words God wants you to speak. But if you don't have love, you still are nothing. And you could give your life over, and you could give your wealth away. You could sacrifice everything for the gospel. But if it's not done in love, it's nothing. Paul reminds us as the people of God, our main attribute, our main who we are to be is a people of love. Now the word love in the text back then was agape, right? It's, it's unconditional love. And he describes it for us in several verses. He says, listen, this kind of agape love, it's more than anything else, it's patient and kind. It's patient and kind. It's a, it's a long-journeying love. It's not a sprint. It's not a passionate deal. It's not about uh, romance and emotions. I mean, yes, th those things are exciting and fun and all that, but you don't build a marriage on the passion. You build a marriage or a relationship on your passion, then your marriage will be done in two, three, four years. It's built on love. And love is a choice. It's a decision. It's an action. It's about taking the long road. It's about continuing to be kind over and over and over again. Then he goes on and says, but love is also, it's, it's not a lot of stuff. Love is not proud. It's, it's not boastful, right? Uh, it's not, uh, it doesn't dishonor others. It doesn't envy. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. In this section, Paul reminds us that Humility, though he never uses the word humility, so that's what he's saying. Humility is one of the core virtues or core uh, realities of real love. Real love isn't proud, it's humble. Real love uh, tries to value others above self. It's not self-seeking. It's not proud. It's not boastful. It isn't trying to get its own way. It's trying to give it away. And so uh, Paul reminds us of all these qualities, that it doesn't delight in evil, it rejoices with the truth. And we experience an encounter. We, we, we're to be truth seekers. And in, in being truth seekers, we're to seek the good, we're to seek the right thing, we're to seek the holy thing. 
And in that, we, we encounter truth in all sorts of different ways. Uh, you know, through the world and science, um, we encounter truth. We call that general revelation, that God reveals himself in our world through science and other means. We encounter truth in the scriptures as we hear how the creator God uh, worked in people's lives for thousands of years. We call this special revelation. There are things in this book that we learn about God and about Jesus, and the only place we can learn them is here. You won't find them anywhere else. And then we learn about God all through, through the, personally through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, will reveal truth to us and help us see both the natural and the supernatural and what God is doing in Scripture. And all these things work together to help us be the kind of people that love, a love that protects, a love that trusts, a love that always hopes, a love that perseveres. Love never fails. He then goes on in the last section and says, listen, this kind of love is a quality that helps us become mature human beings. If you want to be a real adult, Paul says, you can't be a real adult without love. Because the truth is, no matter how perfect we think our theology is, no matter how perfect we think our understanding of the Bible is, no matter how perfect we think we are, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. I, I mentioned this last week. I know I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to say, Jesus, listen, I wrestled with Scripture. I wrestled with life. I wrestled with what your Holy Spirit was doing. And, and uh, I hope I got a good bit right. But I know, even as I think I'm a pretty good Bible teacher, but I know I've gotten probably a lot wrong. Show me, help me know where I missed the boat on earth. Uh, there's a humility in that. And Paul says love is something that matures us spiritually. This kind of love is unique, brothers and sisters. It's not, it's not something the world is used to by any stretch of the means. You know, it's kind of crazy. Greek In Greek, they had four words that they could use for love. In English, we have one, you know, so it, we can say we love hot dogs, right? Or I love ice cream, or I love pizza. And that's supposed to mean something similar to saying, I love Andrea, or I love Chandler and Mallory, or I love uh, you guys, right? Um, and in our world, there is such a broken view of love. For a lot of our world, love means what they see on TV and the movies. It's passion, it's uh, lust, it's craving, it's selfish. And in some people's lives, uh, love for them is really a broken and an evil thing. You know, you think of the people that abuse others through rape, incest, you know, other kinds of things like that. And they say it's about love when it's, it's an evil thing. And I know some of you, you've probably experienced that evil in your own life. And it's part of your past and 
maybe you haven't known how to talk about it. Um, but the world's idea of love is often a lie. And we need the real thing. So what do we do? Do we just buck up and say, okay, God, I'm going to love my brothers and sisters. I'm going to love my church. I'm going to love my family today, just like you say in 1 Corinthians. You ready to go do it? No? It does seem harder than that, doesn't it? And it is harder than that. Because one of the essentials, Paul doesn't talk about it here, but he talks about it in other places. If we are to love like God wants us to love, we must allow him to love us first. That's the only way to do it. Right? It's John who says, we love, why? Because he first loved us. God has to pour in so that you can learn how to pour out. And you can't pour out if you don't love yourself. And you can't love yourself unless you know you're loved by God. And so, um, as we just sang in the song Colin sang, we're no longer a slave to fear. We let the fear go. We let God's love, perfect love in. And that love is then able to fill us with a supernatural presence. You see, to be filled with the love of God is to encounter God face to face. A, a, a relationship with God that is real and personal for us. And as God pours his love in through the Holy Spirit, then we are able to be this kind of people. That love that God has for you can begin to mature you to make you a great lover of others. And that's what we need. That's what our broken world needs. That's what our nation needs. And I pray today that before you leave, that you will let the Holy Spirit begin to fill you with that kind of deep love that just would awe you. As I said, uh, Pastor Zach up at Asbury University gave a very similar message up at Asbury. And kids began to come forward seeking to be filled with the love of God, seeking to let the fear go, their past go, the evil that they've experienced, the brokenness they've experienced, the lies they've experienced, they begin to let all that stuff go. And God's presence and love begin to take its place. And it's been going on now for over 70 hours straight. And that's the kind of thing we all need. And so I challenge you today to be a person of love. I I close with this one story. The, 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 one of the greatest examples of this I know of is Corey Tenden. Corey uh, was a Christian trying to get Jews out of um, Germany. Uh, toward the middle of the war, Germany figured it out and threw her whole family in prison. In prison, her dad died after being there 10 days. She still had her sister, and they were both shipped to Ravensbrück concentration camp in Germany, the two of them. But over the course of being there for several years, toward the end, her sister also died. She was let go, and her sister had told you, when you're let go, God's going to call us to a ministry of forgiveness and healing for Germany and this nation. 
So later on, she lived into that call that her, her sister had prophesied over their lives. And as she did, she was at a church one day in Germany. And as she injured, ended her message on love, um, she saw this fellow come up after the service, and immediately she recognized him. He was one of the harshest uh, prisoner guys in all of Ravensbrück. It was because of him. He was part of the reason her sister had died. And as she saw him coming forward, she immediately felt this anger and this hatred and this vitriol toward this guard. But as he came up to her, he said, you know, Fraulein Tinboom, I'm here today because I know I've done a lot of bad things as a guard in Germany's army. But I have asked the Lord that he would allow me to ask forgiveness from one of my captors. And I have experienced God's forgiveness. I'm a Jesus follower now, and I know he's forgiven me. Will you forgive me? And in a split second, this is what went through her mind. She said, I could not forgive him. I hated him. And my hatred for him was so strong because of how he made me and Betsy suffer. And then she goes on and says, but then I cried out, thank you, Jesus, because your love is stronger than my hatred. And I trust that your love will fill me in this moment to help me love this new brother in Christ. And she said, in that moment, she said, give me your hand. And she shook his hand and said, yes, brother, I forgive you in Jesus' name. And as she did that, she felt the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of God, the electricity of the Holy Spirit run through her body. And she knew that God had helped her do what she could not do on her own. That love is an ocean, she said. And it's available for all of us. So she asks again, can you forgive? He says, no. Neither can I. But he can. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, make us a community of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you, your spirit would come if any heart is broken, filled with fear or angst, or any person here doesn't, isn't able to love themselves even because they've never thought of themselves in a positive way, Lord, let your Holy Spirit touch us with your love this morning in ways that would change our life and help us to be a body of Christ who loves.